Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, our guest speaker is back with part two of his message entitled, Every Member a Minister. We're still in the book of Ephesians, chapter four. And now, here's Pastor Carl Moore. Again, I want you guys to get the image of a minister in your head right now, what you think of when you hear the word minister. And I want you to just break that thing down because what a lot of us have in our heads is the thought of the minister is the leader of the church. He's the pastor. It's the missionary. It's the big leader out there. And what God is saying right here is that, no, I put equippers in the church, but I've also put ministers in the church and the minister isn't who you think it is. The minister is right here sitting next to you, is right here when you look at yourself in the mirror. You guys are the ministers of the church. That the body of Christ is the ones that's supposed to go out there and minister to people, not the, not the equippers. The equippers just teach us how to go do it. And I, I want to walk you guys through the book of Acts real quick, the first eight chapters, and what we see in there. This is a perfect example of the equippers versus the ministers. See that in Acts chapter 1, it talks about Jesus was this guy that came and did all the stuff, the Son of God. He was here for us. He died for our sins. And it says, but then before he left, he gave us the Great Commission. You need to go out into all the world and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he gave us a job to do. You need to go out there into the world and spread the message. But then he also said, before you do that, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes in your life because he's going to be the one that's going to lead you, guide you, and empower you to do it. So here's the believers, a small gathering of the believers, 120 of them, sitting around praying in the upper room, going, okay, God, we're, we're waiting for you. Send us the Holy Spirit. We want to get out there and do your work. Well, in, in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had ascended back to heaven, and he told them, wait for the power. So seven weeks later in Acts chapter 2 is when we read about Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, and he empowered everyone, and he, he gave them the ability to go out there and to spread his word, to be bold witnesses. And so you see the, the power of the Holy Spirit coming on everyone. Well, then in, in chapters 3 through 7, a, a time span of about five years, chapters 3 through 7, what do you see? You see the power of the Holy Spirit came on the church, and you saw all of these young believers suddenly growing and becoming equipped. And the apostles were teaching them, and they were hanging out with them, and they were leading them, and there was prophecy, and there's all of these five equippers, they were going at it with the church. And the church was growing and 3,000 were added to their number in one day, and all this stuff was happening. But they're all sitting there in Jerusalem, and they're all just getting happy and equipped and feeling good and sharing with each other and tithing and loving and da-da-da. But they were just sitting there. They are sitting just in Jerusalem. And remember, Jesus said, hey, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to go out there and spread my message. And they're all going, wow, this is great. We're a family. Everything's loving. We're getting more believers. Evangelism, yeah, it's cool. And we're all sitting in Jerusalem. But then here's what happened five years later in, in chapter 8. The church came under persecution. Stephen was martyred for the faith. The first Christian martyr, right? He was stoned to death. They killed him. And suddenly the church freaked out. And they're like, wow, it's breaking up our family. So what happens in Acts chapter 8? The church all the, it says all the believers fled into Judea, Samaria, and into the rest of the world. But it says one interesting thing. All but the apostles fled outside of Jerusalem. Meaning the equippers, they stayed. Their job wasn't to go out there and shake up the world, but all of the believers, the church, was the one that went out into all the world, and then from then on, turned the world upside down. See, then Christianity spread worldwide, and they did this huge, massive thing, which is a result of why you and I are sitting here in church today, because the believers went into the world, and they made disciples. They did the work of the ministry. 
And it says, interestingly enough, the apostles stayed behind. So here you see the coaches equipping the players, and the coaches stayed in Jerusalem. And it's only when the players went out into the world that the world got turned upside down for the name of Jesus. And that's when the real work began to happen. But see, here's a perfect example of we're the players. The pastors in the church are there to equip us, and they're to stay in that church, and they're to equip us and to do their job. But if we want to see the world turn upside down for Jesus, it's us that is going to do it. It's you guys sitting right here that going out there and having J groups or meeting one-on-one with your friends or just praying for people or, or giving them a hug or just doing whatever you can do to serve others and to minister. Is You guys are the ones that we're going to see this, this state, this island, this nation come to know Jesus Christ. I always remind my kids in the youth ministry that... We're, we've grown. One week we had like 287. It's like a, a record for the biggest youth service we've had in here. And when I first came, there was like only 90 kids coming to it. And so the thing has grown, but I don't take any credit for that. I'm always telling the kids, you know what? You guys are the ones that are growing this thing. You guys are the ones that are going in. It's the church going into the world before the world can come into the church. See, we always sit back and think, well, let's just try to get everybody in church. But the only way we're going to get there is if the church, first of all, goes out into the world. And that's your job. So the reason our youth group has grown so much is because those kids are recognizing, hey, I'm a player. Carl's just my coach. He tells me what to do, but I'm out there in the game, and I'm bringing them all in because I want to see the world come to know Jesus. So we need to be the ministers of the church because that's what we are. And then the last verse, it it's kind of talks about the goals of the church. If we're the players, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? What is it we're trying to do here? And it says in verse 13, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown, in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Three things are our goals as ministers, as players in the game. Three things we're trying to accomplish. The first one is we're trying to make the, make the body of Christ united. We're trying to spread unity. Second one is we're trying to bring people to spiritual maturity. And the third thing is we're trying to bring people to having a relationship and a, and a, and a personal Christ-likeness, that we're all trying to make people to become Christ-like. And the way I look at this is like uh, any good parent. The way you're raising your children is you want those same three things. Unity. Remember last week we talked about family. See, it's, it's no fun when your kids fight, right? How many of you guys got kids in here, okay? It's, life is not so fun when your kids are beefing, right? You know that. Like, I could never understand when I was a little kid why my parents were so on me about, hey, get along with your sister. Stop picking on your sister. And I'm always like, why? I got, I got no beef with you. I'm just having a good time over here with my sister, you know? <laughs> And they're just like, no, there has to be, you know, come on, love each other. The family gets along better if everybody's happy together. And I'm just thinking, what does it matter to you? I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. But, you know, I'm just over here having a good time. You know, I'm just like, you know, working out some stress or something on my sister. I was always in trouble for that. That's the biggest thing like, I'd hear every day. Stop picking on your sister. Stop picking on your sister. I always get spankings and grounded and everything because I was just bad. And I could never understand, what's the big deal if we don't get along? You know, I, I get along with you, Mom and Dad. And what's, what's the big deal? And then as I started to grow up and I started to see, hey, my sister's actually kind of cool. She's like kind of a good friend of mine. And wow, I kind of wasted a lot of years like beating her up and, you know, <laughs> cutting her down and stuff. And, and now I realize, wow, it, there, is a, there is a benefit. There's a bonus in having unity in the family. And so God says, it's our job to promote this unity out there in the body of Christ. Because God is happy when his kids get along. The kids are happy when they're all getting along with each other. You know, my daughter goes to Friday night service and she does her her little Sunday school, get the art coins and all that. You know, you get the money, the money from memorizing scripture or doing chores or, you know, whatever. 
So she gets all this money and she'll, she'll go and she buys candy. And she has some left over. And it's so cool when she has enough to buy something for her brother, you know, little Isaac, three-year-old. So she goes and she gets her candy and then she hooks him up with candy. And it's like, they're all happy and they hug, you know, and they're like not fighting. And, you know, the kids are all excited. The family's all happy. The ride home from church is all pleasant and everything's good in the world. You know, we're just driving home. Yay, the kids aren't fighting. They go to bed easily that night. And it's like, wow, life is so much better when my kids love each other and when they're happy. And that's what God's saying. He goes, it's our job as the kids to get out there and make sure we're promoting unity. Make sure we're all getting along because we're pleasing our Heavenly Father, but it's also making life a little bit better down here on, on earth for us, that we get to bless one another. So these are our goals. The second one is that we become spiritually mature. And parents want their kids to become spiritually mature, but they want them to become physically mature. They want them to grow up. They want them to become um, competent with their finances, um, competent with relationships. That You want your kid to mature and grow to the point of, okay, they're out of my home. They're out of my care anymore, but I want to see that they're successful in the world, that they can go out there and they can know how to rent a place and to have a job and to, to find the perfect guy or girl of their dreams and to raise a family. And we want them to grow up and be mature. It's the same way with Christ. He's saying, go out there and make sure that everybody in the, the body is growing in the Lord and that they're coming to maturity so that you don't have to babysit them into the kingdom anymore, but they're growing on their own and they know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and they're spiritually mature. And the third thing is that he wants them to be Christ-like. And every parent no matter who you are, you want your kids, you want to be proud enough to say that your kids are like you for the good reasons, right? Because there's, there's bad habits that we have. We don't want them to take up. And my wife's always telling me, Carl, you're setting a bad example for the kids. And I'm like, oh, but it's fun. You know, I'm having fun. Don't teach them that stuff. You know, and say, excuse me after you do that. Oh, okay, sorry. You know, like all the, all the things like, that I do, sometimes it's bad habits. But deep down, I want my kids to learn the good habits that I have. I want them to grow up knowing Jesus. We pray with them every night and we talk to them about the Lord. And I want them to have a relationship with Jesus. I want them to take on that characteristic of me. I want them to take on any characteristic of me that's when I'm good with my money or I'm knowing how to love people or praying with people. I want them to see that and I want them to, to kind of be like that. So it's the same way that, that God's saying, hey, I want everybody to be like Christ. Let's, let's promote, let's get out there and minister so that everybody takes after their, their king, their father, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So those are the three goals. But how do we get there? Well, here's a verse I want to read to you. Real fast, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 40. And if you're wondering, well, what is ministry? If God's calling me to go out there and do ministry, how do I minister? How do I serve? What do I do? Here's a good description of what ministry is. Matthew 25, 31 says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you by the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. Starting in verse 35, this is what you need to highlight or underline. This is an example of ministry. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones, us, will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. See, here's Jesus' example of ministry. If someone is in need, you fulfill that need for them. If someone is in need of prayer, you go pray for them. If someone is in need of clothing or food, 
Well, then you go hook them up with that. What is the areas in your life of people around you that are just needing something? Maybe they're just needing a hug. See, some of you guys are scared to open your mouth and share about Jesus, but some of you guys in here are just the best huggers, you know? And you know what a hug does for you? It just makes your day, you know? Like, wow, thank you. You just, I'm not going to say anything, I'm shy, but hi, God bless you. And you're like, wow, I feel good. Or just a phone call. You know, some people in here, I know you're just the phoneaholics. I know you're always on your phone. Because i got friends that are. And I'm like anti-phone guy, but I get calls all the time. So I try not to be on the phone, but I always get phone calls. But some of you guys that are such phone people, is just use your phone friendliness to encourage someone. To maybe pray for them over the phone. You know, I was all nervous and worried this past Friday night. Because I knew I had to preach the whole weekend. And I'm like, ah, oh, Dad, why do you do this to me, you know? You and your vacations, you know? And, and so I'm like, oh, i got to do another whole weekend. And yet, I was all worried and scared. I'm not going to do good. You know, the same thing every week I go through this. And it's only the Holy Spirit that gives me the power to do it. But Aaron Suzuki, one of our staff pastors, called me up. And he just left a message on my phone. I, didn't, I checked it. I didn't even know I had it. I checked it. Oh, right before church. Let me see who called. And it's Aaron. He goes, hey, Carl, you don't have to, you don't have to call back. You don't have to answer. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. You're going to do awesome this weekend. And God's going to be there with you. So... You don't have to call me back. Just, just know that we're praying for you, and, and I'm, I know you're going to do good. And I'm just like, suddenly all my stress and worry and everything just went away, all because of one 30-second phone message. So how hard is that for us to minister in that kind of an area? See, what are the things in life that we could be doing to minister to the body, to bring unity, to bring spiritual maturity, to bring, bring people into a, a Christ-likeness? These are the simple things. The J groups, right there. I'm surprised. we got to get some more of those cards up there on the board, because that's the people of God promoting the people of God and pushing the family and loving other people and doing ministry. And all you may do is say over coffee break once a week, oh, half an hour we meet and we talk a little bit about God and I pray for my friend and they pray for me. Well, right there, you're doing ministry. You're finding a need and you're filling it. When I was naked, you gave me clothing. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I didn't have a place to stay, you, you gave me a place to stay. I talked to a lady last night. That, that's her ministry. We were talking, and she goes, yeah, I always open my house up to people. The last, last people I had in there was a family. They stayed for three weeks. And I go, that's your ministry. She goes, yeah, that is my ministry. I have this big house. God gave it to me. I've dedicated it to him. I live there alone. Yeah, I open my house up to people who need a place to stay. That's my ministry. And I go, yes, that is. That's awesome. You're working to the goals of the kingdom. And there's other things that you can do. The last missions trip we had to the Dominican Republic, there was an eye doctor and a dentist that went along on that missions trip. And I thought that was so cool because here's people going, well, I don't know what I can do for ministry, but here's what I normally do in my regular life. I'm a dentist or I'm an eye doctor. And so they go, well, I guess I could take that and go bless other people. And see, that's all God's calling us to, the, the natural things that flow out of our life, the giftings that we already have. Like Julia said, you don't have to try to be all these other things. Just be who you are and use that to bless other people. I saw the pictures of the Dominican Republic. They're sitting out there in like lawn chairs and stuff outside under coconut trees. And here's these dentists and doctors are pulling teeth out. They pulled like 110 teeth, I heard, over that trip. Because of all these kids that, you know, they don't have medical insurance. They don't have dentists. They don't, they're Dominican. They're poor. They come in with all ragtag clothes. And here's someone going, oh, you got bad teeth. You got, you got toothache. Let me get these teeth out of there for you. Let me bless you. Well, it's, not, it's nothing that says, I'm praying, I'm preaching. All, all the dentist is doing is going, this is what I know how to do. How can I do it so it's for God, so I can bless other people for free and doing that? And here's the eye doctor sitting out there in the lawn chairs, checking people's eyes and hooking them up with glasses that you guys donated. See, just that, that fact that you guys donated glasses, you're blessing people. You're ministering to people's needs. Someone who's a distributor of candy came by and asked, hey, there's some messed up... Um, 
boxes of candy in my company or whatever, they're just going to throw them away. But you know what? All the candy inside is good. Can I bring them to the church and bless people? And we said, sure. So five pallets of candy showed up all this tall. Five pallets all this tall showed up like Thursday afternoon. And Jeff's over there going, how do we get rid of this? It's blocking the way. We need to do all this stuff, church. And so we called up all these churches in the area. And all these churches, you know, they're trying to do stuff for their little kids and give them candy. They all got blessed with free candy. And I mean truckloads of candy. There's a couple of churches that came, four truckloads. They came and filled up four truckloads and went away. And there's still enough to bless all these churches. Our youth group, I know tonight I'm going to pass it out to the kids. They're going to be just sugar high because we got so much candy to give them. But see, here's a guy that's just going, that stuff's going to go to waste. It's going to get thrown away. Why don't I hook someone up with it? And all of these churches in, in our area have gotten blessed from candy. But what is it that you could do? There's one girl that I talked to that used to be involved in a, a college-age ministry where people would all just come over to her house, her and her few roommates, and they'd just hang out, have Bible studies and worship. And she's like a member of this college ministry. And she's like, well, God, how can I bless these kids? I don't know what to do. I'm kind of shy, and I don't know where you want me. And then God just told her, well, look at all the kids that come over here hungry. And you know college students, they're always starving. And they're always eating all their food. And she's like, wow, look at all, they come over here and they eat. And she goes, look at all those dishes. And, and she goes, that's my ministry, dishes. My mission ministry for this group is I'm the dishes person. And she, she claimed that. She goes, yeah, I'm, I'm the dishes ministry. I'm the dishes ministry. So her job was just to say, you guys come over and share the love and worship together and pray together and just be here. And I'll do your dishes for you guys. And I'll just love you by doing your dishes. And see, it's these kind of things that God is just saying, this is where the rubber meets the road. If you're going to be a player in the game, how are you playing? How are you living your life? And it doesn't take a lot to be like, well, I have to go on a mission trip or I have to be a pastor. I could never do any of that stuff. God's going, no, you're looking at it all wrong. The ministers aren't the ones that are the church leaders. The ministers are simply you guys out there doing the work. And it's praying with people. You know, I see people all, all over Kaneohe now some of you guys, I go to the mall and I see, oh, there's some Hope Chapel people. And all of a sudden I see them laying hands on someone in the mall, praying for them. I'm like, wow, that's cool. I'm not even going to interrupt. I'm just going to sit back and watch and be excited and be motivated. Wow, that's part of my family doing family business. That's cool. In hardware stores and stuff, I'm seeing people all over the place. And I just, I walk by and I listen, hey, how's it going? And they're over there witnessing to someone or they're just praying for someone right, in, right on the street. And, and that's ministry. It's basic ministry. You don't have to know the Bible inside and out. You don't have to have any degrees in anything. You just got to love on people and just talk to them about the Lord. And that's all ministry is. Some of you guys are on email a lot. One of the best things that I, I ever received during the week is the, the personal email messages. And not the forwarded ones, you know, it's been like forwarded 800 times and you're like, wow, thanks, that's real personal. You really care about me and 400 other friends, you know? And it's like, ah, okay, thanks a lot for that. But I love when I get one of those little just like four line short ones. And Debbie McWilliams just recently sent me one, Rob's wife, you know, and she just said, hey, thanks, you're doing such a good job with the youth ministry. And you know, you've blessed all my kids because they're all involved in the youth ministry. Keep it up, God is using you. I'm praying for you. And I'm just like, I could just quit that rest of that week. I just, my week was made, you know, like no stress, nothing. I'm like, wow, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for using Debbie to encourage me. And see, that's ministry. We all got computers. We're on them all the time. Why not just send people encouraging notes? Why not just make it a goal? God, how can I just encourage one person daily with an email, with a phone call, with something, with a hug, you know, I'll just be that, that shoulder for someone to cry on. But there's all these different things that we can do. I'm looking at Tori right here. She makes the best chocolate chip cookies in the world. And her deal is every time it's someone's birthday or a special occasion, or sometimes for no reason at all, she just brings in a little Tupperware. Here's cookies for you guys. I'm just like, I'm so blessed because they're so good. But it's like, wow, that's her ministry. She's blessing people just by baking. 
No, no words even have to be said. She's just going, hey, I love you. Here's, here's some cookies. See, what is it in your life that is so simple that you're already doing or that you're, you're, it's already part of your profession or what you could do, something so easy just to say, you know what, giving someone a hug, that's ministry. Praying for someone, that's ministry. Baking cookies for someone, that's ministry. We have a guy in the church that's an auto mechanic, Kess, and we invited him up to one of our high school guys' camps where we're trying to build into the young men you know, of God and strengthen them in their spiritual walk. And we invited Kess along to simply share what he can do. Well, he's an auto mechanic, and he just gave a lesson real quick to all of our boys. Here's how you change the oil. Here's how you change the tire. Here's how you make sure your car doesn't blow up. Check the fluids. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and just something as simple as that, he's just going, well, I don't feel really holy or spiritual. And I'm going, yeah, but it is. Because it's building people up. It's giving them skills. It's training them. It's showing all these boys love that you're taking the time to show them basic skills that's going to save them hundreds of dollars later on down the line with all their broken jalopies and stuff, you know? But what is it that you can already do that you can be saying, ah, I can use that as ministry, serving the body of Christ. And that's all we're getting at. Is it God's given us coaches to equip us, but we don't kick back and let the coaches play the game because we know that's not going to work. Realizing that we're the players and we need to get out there into the game and we need to minister. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Father God, and just in thanks for what your word calls us to action, Lord. And sometimes it's convicting and we, we don't want to really read it when it tells us that we need to get out there and we need to be the ones working. But Lord, that's, that's when we really receive blessings, is when we get out there and we start doing stuff. Lord, that's when the real blessings come and we start to have fulfillment in our life and we see that it's not about just the coaches, but Lord, we're the players and we're the ones that's going to win the game. And that the coaches need us as much as we need the coaches. And Lord, you want us all to be out there promoting unity, spiritual maturity, and, and Christ-likeness. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to look for all those little ways. Lord, if it means starting a J group, that we would do that. And we'd probably go stick that on the board to remind us that, that we need to be doing that every week. Or Lord, if it's just baking someone cookies or, or giving someone a, a basic lesson in finances or, or just how to take care of their car or just small things, Father God. Buying, buying people Bibles, giving Bibles away. Lord, I know that the guys from Hinamalka came up this last week and they asked for Bibles and I mentioned it in this Friday night service and Lord, right after service, there's about three people that came and just bought bags of Bibles or gave money towards it, Lord. And I thank you for that. And Lord, that's the kind of stuff that we need to be looking for. So easy to do stuff like that, Lord. Help us to be ministers that just look for any way to love and serve other people. And Lord, for those of us today that are here that don't have a personal relationship with you, if there's anyone here today that just came and said, you know what, I, I think I need God in my life. I'd like to be a member of that kind of a family where people are loving me, but I'm also getting a chance to give back and bless other people. And if that's you here today and you're saying, you know what, I want to become a Christian. I want to be, in, I want to be a part of that family of God. I want to know that God saved me of all my sins and that I can now live for him instead of living for myself. If you'd like to make that decision to become a Christian today, to invite Jesus into your heart and into your life, I'm going to say a prayer with you. And I'm going to say the words out loud that will lead you in this prayer to coming to know Jesus. But you just got to pray along those words to God silently, and he'll hear you. I'll pray out loud so that you don't have to sit, speak out or anything. But I just want to know that you're going to pray that prayer with me. If there's anybody here this morning, we've all got our eyes closed and our heads bowed. But if you'd like to say a prayer to invite Jesus into your life and make him Lord and Savior of your life, then I'm going to say the words with you, but I want you to let me know right now just by looking up at me. If you'd like to pray that prayer to make Jesus your King and Lord and Savior right now, just look up at me and I'll pray that prayer with you. But let me know by looking up at me as I look around. Anybody here this morning? Good, I see you in the back. Praise God. Anybody else in here? Just make eye contact with me as I look around. You want to become a Christian today? Are you looking up? Good, I see you too. Good. 
Praise God. Anybody else, as I look around, if I don't see you, just kind of wave. No one else can see you right now. Good, I see you too, ma'am. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? You too? Okay. Lord, I'm coming to you today, this morning, Father, and I'm asking for you to be my God. I'm telling you that I want to give up the way of living where I've been living for myself, and I want to start living for you. Lord, I believe in your son Jesus and that he died on that cross and he took all my sins with him so that I wouldn't know eternal spiritual death, but I would know life everlasting with you in heaven and all the other people in my family that are in this room here, the family of God. So Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Lord, I surrender all of my ways to you. I want your ways to be my ways. I want to live for you. Come into my heart, come into my life and change me. Lord, show me the power of your Holy Spirit to do miracles and to, to turn things around in my life and be, to begin to bless me. And Lord, thank you for allowing me to become part of your family where I can bless other people and they can bless me. Lord, thank you. Change my life. Draw me close to you, Father. God, help me to go get baptized as a way of just signifying that I'm part of this family. Lord, Lord teach me to read your word so they could speak to me and can grow me more. And Lord, surround me with other members of the family of God that will, will help to coach me and to plug me in and to, to show me how to play this game called life so I'm living for you. But most of all, thank you for calling me your child right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.